Good morning. Today's reading is from Mark 5, 1 to 23. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. So I've been reading a book these days. The title of the book is Good Inside. Uh, The author is Becky Kennedy. This is a a number one New York Times bestseller. It's a a number one Apple podcast. Um, She has over a million followers on Instagram. Some of you have, have heard the name Dr. Becky. Um, if you haven't, just a, a bit more background um, about this book. On the surface of it, it's, it's a book about the parent-child relationship. Um, but really, in fact, when you, when you get to the heart of it, it's, it's a, about relationships in general and about how, how we can change, how we can grow as people in, in our relationships, how we can help others grow. And I want to start by saying that I have appreciated a bunch of things about this book. For example, uh, the chapter about shame. Very helpful. Shame is an incredibly powerful emotion, 
And if, if you can discern shame under behaviors that might be, that might look like other things, if you can discern shame under behaviors, then you can respond in ways that are actually going to be helpful. Um, very, very helpful and insightful um, was, was that chapter for me. What else? Um, I learned about boundaries. I learned more about boundaries, how to, how, how to set boundaries in family, the kind of language to use. I need help with that. Um, and I found help in this book. Now, under the techniques and the approaches and the language, there's a view of human nature operating in this book. It's, it's right there in the title of the book. It's in the first chapter of the book. Listen to a quote from the first chapter. Becky Kennedy says this, I have an assumption about you and your kids. You are all good inside. And when I say good inside, I mean that we all at our core are compassionate, loving, and generous. End quote. And this morning, what I want to do is, is interact uh, with that view of, of, of human nature and put it in dialogue with Jesus' view of human nature that we see in this, in this passage in front of us. Because one of the key words in the passage is the heart. The heart. It comes up, it's re- repeated a number of times here. In, in the ancient culture, the heart meant the very center of a person's thoughts and will and desires. The heart stands for, for all the, the inner life of a person, the, the, the inside of a person. Now, Dr. Becky is saying that essentially your heart is good. And the, the deeper you go into the heart, the, the, the deeper you go into the core of you, the more good. You're good inside. And I think in contrast, we're going, to, we're going to see Jesus say two things about the heart. Left to yourself, two things are true. One, your heart is far from God. Two, your heart is unclean. Now, that's a very different view of human nature, uh, a different view of the, of the problem, of what is wrong, and therefore a different view we're going to hear this morning of the solution and what we need. First point, left to yourself, your heart is far from God. The passage opens with some some Pharisees and some teachers of the law. These are the religious authorities in Jesus' day. And they've come from Jerusalem basically to investigate Jesus. They're looking for infractions. That's what they expect to find, and that is what they find. Verse 2, they saw some of Jesus' disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. So this group of theologians, they put Jesus on the spot. Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders, they ask. Now, there's a, there's a classic scene. It's in a hundred movies. I wonder if you know it. A group of bullies come to pick on someone. But what they don't realize is that this ordinary person, like wearing plain clothes, 
is Bruce Lee. Okay? It's 10 on 1. The fight's on. And they, this, this group, they, they don't even realize it, they're about to get schooled by the master. They're about to get embarrassed. They're about to be sent away packing. Now, do, do, do you notice Jesus does not even... The fight's on, okay? He doesn't even answer the question that they've asked. Doesn't even answer. He just, like, slams them with a counterpunch. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Thus says the Lord, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human word rules. And then Jesus adds his own word. He says, you have let go of the commandments of God and are holding on to human traditions. You want to talk about traditions? Let's talk about traditions. Korban, for example. That's one of your traditions, hmm? This is what you do with your korban. You let go of God's clear commandment to honor your father and mother. The money you owe for their financial support, you give it to the temple. A so-called gift to the Lord. A so-called gift. In this day, in Jesus' day, of course, no one has a pension. There's no RRSPs. There's no long-term care facilities. Parents have children, and that's it. That is their old age security. So when the commandment says, honor your father and mother, in this culture, in this ancient culture, you keep the commandment, you obey the commandment, when you support and care for parents, for your parents in their old age, materially, financially, practically. But over time, over generations, this tradition develops. It's not in the Torah. It's not in the Word of God. That basically, you can nullify the commandment of God for the sake of, for, for, for the sake of like religious brownie points, I guess. Um, giving, giving extra donations to the temple. You can nullify God's word for the sake of religion? It's perverse. And Jesus calls it as it is. Because Korban gives the appearance of honor to God, but inside the heart, the heart is far from God. And there's a, there's a principle here that we can see. It's this. Far from God means far from people, and vice versa. To be far from people uh, is, is a sign pointing to a heart that is far from God. It was true then, it's true now. Can we talk about relationships with parents? Many of you have, have parents who are still living. You might have in-laws. First, let's, let's acknowledge that these relationships are complex. Um, they have a, a lot of history in them. A lot of good things, a lot of difficulty as well. That's true. That's all true. Now, what, here's what's also true. It's that whatever complexity is there, whatever history and difficulty might, might be there, the commandment still applies. 
honor your father and mother. And that means in-laws too, of course. And you do not have to be a religious zealot to cause great damage to this relationship with your parents. You can worship at a, at a religion idol and cause great damage, but, but uh, every idol, any, any idol. You can worship any idol and it's going to distance and, and damage this relationship with parents. For example, maybe like your number one desire in life is comfort. Indigo Bookstore has a, has a, has a tote bag with a, with a quote on the side of it that's by John Keats, English poet. This is what it says. This is the, the quote. Give me books, fruit, French wine, and fine weather, and a little music. Now, is that the song of your heart? I'm not asking you if you, if you like those things. I'm, I'm, I'm asking, like, do you, do, you, do you give your heart to that? Is that where your heart longs to be? You give your heart to comfort, like you live for comfort, and in, in, in a way your, your self-worth is like wrapped up in your experiences of pleasure and enjoyment. How will that affect your relationships that become uncomfortable? Like relationships with parents, when in the season it becomes uncomfortable and difficult. After, after you're, you're wounded, you feel hurt, you feel misunderstood, you feel mis, mistreated, it's uncomfortable, will you persevere to love your parents and pray for them and do good? Will you persevere? I think you won't if you worship at an altar of comfort. Maybe your another one. Maybe your number one desire in life is productivity. I was at the Home Depot the other week, and I I got my receipt, and it said on the top of it, Home Depot, helping doers get more done. Right? There it is. Isn't that, now is that you? Are you a doer on a mission to get more done? I'm not asking if you get some things done. I'm sure that you do get some things done. But are, is this, do you, do you give your heart to this quest to get more and more done? Do you live for that? Do you live and die for your productivity and like your, your, your accomplishments like define your worth? If you do, how will that affect your relationships that become unproductive? Like, for example, relationship with parents. Like maybe, maybe you have or you will have parents that are aging and there's, there's needs. There's like lots of needs, practical needs. Will you give yourself to love and care for them when that would mean far less productivity in many areas of your life? Will you like shift your schedule and, and your priorities to be there, to, 
to give the support and the assistance that is clearly needed. Will you do it? I think you won't if you worship at the altar of productivity. A heart that's far from people is far from God. Do you see what Jesus is doing here in, in this passage? He, he loves his enemies. They're his enemies. They, they hate him. He knows it. He loves them. They think that they are good people doing their best to do good things, that they, are, they, have, they have good hearts. They're good inside. And he confronts them. Do you see Jesus? Do you see his goodness in confronting them? His courage. This is the most loving thing that anyone could do to these people who are so blinded to the real state of their hearts. And now I'm, I'm convinced of this as well, that you, me, that we all need Jesus to confront us also. Because this is why, left to yourself, your heart is far from God as well. That, and that's, that's evident in important relationships in your life and, and, and in my relationships and in, like in my relationships with my parents, okay? Our hearts run after things like, like comfort, like, like productivity, like a dozen more things. And it is damaging. And odds are we don't even realize it, actually, how like our values and our priorities damage relationships. And when that happens, what you don't need is someone to come along and tell you that your heart is good inside. You don't need that. You don't need to be confirmed in your blindness and encouraged to go, keep going in that way. No, you need, you, you need Jesus. You need Jesus to, to, to speak into your life through the word, through the community, and lay his hand on your heart that is far from God. He is, he is set on your heart. He's like got his sights on your heart. You know that. That's why he came. That's why he came. He, he came to tell the truth about the human condition and, and the human heart so that men and women might see their sin, acknowledge it, and seek his grace. The Pharisees went away, probably rattled, I, I would imagine, but still convinced that they are good and Jesus is somehow wrong, and they're going to go think about that and figure that one out and come back another time with some better question. That's them, okay? How about you? What will you do when Jesus confronts you? His word is alive. He is confronting us even this morning. In the word, what will you do? Second point, left to yourself, your heart is unclean. Um, we're not used to this language of, of like unclean and clean, even defiled. Um, we're, 
most of us Western people here. This is, this is from a different culture. Um, we have to slow down here and take some time with this. How do we understand this? Okay. Ritual purity. That's a big deal in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible. The basic idea with, with being ritually clean and unclean in these, these two kind of states, the basic idea is that contact with death makes a person ritually unclean. Okay, and that could happen in ways that are not sin. It can happen in ways that are not breaking any commandment in the law. For example, touching a dead body, which if, if you're burying a relative, um, that's part of it, okay? Touching a dead body, eating an unclean animal, touching mold or fungus, having a skin disease or, or, or coming in contact with a skin disease. If any of that happens, that's not sin. None of those things I just read are sin. If any of them happen, you become ritually unclean, which means that you have to spend time away from worship, away from the tabernacle or the temple. Um, there's a waiting period, and there's ritual washing. And that is what the Pharisees are so focused on, okay? They are so convinced that they are, they, they are clean in their hearts. And the most important thing for them, then, who are already clean, is to be very careful about what they touch and what they don't touch. And the hand washings and the pitcher washings and all the washings. Okay, they're very, they're very, concerned, they're very concerned to maintain their ritual purity in these external ways. But Jesus in our passage, is not focused on what you touch or what you don't touch or what you eat or don't eat, the external things. Jesus, in this passage, is focused on the other way to become ritually unclean. That's in the Torah. Because the other way to become ritually unclean is not through what you touch or, or whatever. It's through sin. Okay. Sin makes a person ritually unclean, which means not allowed to go to worship at the temple, not allowed to 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 draw near to God for that for that, for that time un, until sin is dealt with, until sin is cleansed. Jesus is most concerned about impurity of the heart. Look at verse 20. What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Just to pick one of these, how about envy? Have you ever envied someone? of their life? Have you ever envied their, their job, their spouse, their vacations, their body, their resume? What might seem like a small thing to us is not a small thing to God Almighty. Proverbs 
chapter 21, verse 2 says this, Every way of a person is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. You might think your heart is good, but hear this, the Lord weighs the heart. What the Lord thinks is what matters. What you think does not matter. Ultimately, in the end, is the Lord's. And he knows your heart. He knows your heart. And envy is unclean. It defiles the heart. All these things do. All these things in verses 21 to 22. And the unclean heart is barred from God's presence. In my early 20s, I was convinced that I was a, a very good person. I, um, I might have told you this before. I, I, I earned a nickname in university. People who didn't really know me called me Perfect Jeff. Okay. It was, it, it, it was, the, it was the honor roll. It was the academic performance and the, the residence dawn and the triathlon club president, okay, all those things, all that. I had the reputation. I earned it, and I believed it. But far from God means far from people, and I was lonely. Someone, during my university years, someone gave me a New Testament, and I began to read it. And I did not hear a voice from on high, okay? But as I read about Jesus, I began to hear him say to me, you're not perfect, Jeff. You're lost. You're lonely. You're afraid. And I have chosen you, my son. It's time to stop pretending. Follow me. I trust that there are some people here today who are good in their own eyes. And you need to be challenged like I did. I needed to be challenged by Jesus. Everyone around me said, you're, you're good, you're great, perfect, Jeff. I needed a voice that would challenge me and say something true about, about me, actually true. And maybe you're here today and you need Jesus to challenge you in your tracks, convinced of your goodness. He is speaking now. Do you hear him challenging you? But maybe, maybe there's more of you here today and um, you don't need anyone to convince you that you're unclean because you believe that about yourself already. Your life is full of self-reproach, even self-hatred. You think about your flaws, your failures. You live under a weight of shame. To you, I would say, this morning, that two things are true. Okay, the one is that the diagnosis is correct 
Jesus knows your heart, and left to yourself, your heart is unclean. But two, now hear this. This, because this is what you need to hear this morning. You who doubt your worth, hear this. You are not left to yourself. You are not left alone. You, you, your, your heart is unclean, left to yourself, but you are not left to yourself. How far did Jesus go to seek you out? How far did he go? He came to this earth, this this miserable earth, okay? The suffering in this earth. He came to this earth. He entered in to suffering, the man of sorrows, his whole life. The man of sorrows. And at the last, he went to the cross. He went under the weight of shame upon the cross, the crushing weight of shame for you. He shed his blood for you and for your cleansing. You have the words of assurance in your bulletin that Kiernan read for us some time ago in our service. Words of assurance. Listen to God's heart for you. Listen to what God says to you, his child. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Do you hear God's heart? You who doubt your worth, do you hear his heart for you? Do you hear his his passion and I will, I will, I will, I will do all of this for you. His passion for you to cleanse you, to redeem you, to do everything that you need. He's done it all. It's done through the cross 2,000 years ago and through the water of baptism in your own life, in your, in your memory, perhaps, some of you. Now, if you, if you have not been baptized, if you're considering the Christian faith and you're here this morning, I want to invite you to compare these two. Listen, let, I'm, I'm going to read a quote from Dr. Becky with respect because, I, I, as I said earlier, I found this book with many helpful things. But listen to what she says. She says, in the, in the first chapter of the book, there is nothing more valuable than learning to find our goodness under our struggles. Nothing feels more secure than being recognized for the good people we truly are. End quote. Now listen to Jesus. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the quote with what I believe is his message to you today. I believe this is what he would say in his book. There is nothing more valuable than learning to find the goodness of God under your struggles. Nothing feels more secure than recognizing the grace of God for you, just as you are. I found a lot of helpful advice in in Dr. Becky's book. I believe, though, that Jesus, Jesus recognizes the depth of our brokenness. 
and that Jesus alone can heal our brokenness and cleanse our hearts. How do you follow Jesus? How, how, do, you, how do you start to follow Jesus? In, in, in a basic way, it's about as simple as how you start following an influencer. <laughs> you, um, you buy the book. <laughs> Cheesy, okay. But yeah, right. You, you buy the book. You buy the book, and you, and you, and you, like, you, you get on the podcast or whatever. You talk about it with people, like people who like, share that interest, right? People who are into that, into that too. You think about the teaching during the day. You take like an Instagram break and, and like there's the, there's the teacher. <laughs> because why? Because you need to be reminded lots of times about what is true, <laughs> about, about, about your heart, about what's the, what's the real problem, about what do, you, what do you need, what's the real solution, the deep solution. You need that. And you could do that. You could start following you can start following it. It's and, and and what you find is what you find as you follow this influencer. <laughs> what you find is it's not self-help. It's something very different. It is the grace of God coming into your life, laying hold of your heart, and doing for you what you cannot do yourself. There is nothing more secure than recognizing the grace of God for you, just as you are. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and his teaching and his courageous teaching that he is uncompromising, that he is unafraid of human beings. Help us, Lord, to listen to him. We have many voices in our culture telling us many things, many, many helpful things, many, many interesting, insightful things. Um, but Lord, we so, we so desperately need Jesus to ground us in, in the truth about, about who we are and the truth of of what you have done to rescue us. You are our rescuer, not our advisor, not our therapist. You are our savior. May we understand that we are a people who need to be saved. And may we understand that you are the rescuer who alone has the almighty power and love to save us. We pray in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen.